Welcome to Shop Talk by Elevated Stylists, a podcast for the thriving community of salon owners and stylists where we discuss topics in business, wellness, mindset, and more. Join us on this journey and become an elevated stylist. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Shop Talk. My name is Sonia. And I'm Jody. And we are welcoming a special guest today, and we really wanted to talk about this topic that comes up a lot, I'm sure, in our industry and other industries. Um, Our guest today has been talking about this for the last little while, and uh, we're just going to have an open conversation and open chat about what imposter syndrome is and what that does in our industry and how we can... um, gain a little clarity on it, how we can overcome it, how we can shed some light, how we can heal it. And our guest today uh, is Anna Gala. Welcome, Anna. Yeah, thank you for having me, ladies. (laughs) We're so excited. We've been waiting for this episode for a long time. And I'm so happy that it finally aligned. Um, uh, Why don't you just go ahead? We're just going to give you the mic and just go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about your journey and what you do. Yeah, sure. So in 2010, I had an anxiety attack and that is what was the catalyst to my self-development, healing, self-actualization journey. And it brought me to places like meditation and mindfulness and mindset and ceremonies and plant medicines and all of the wild and magical ways that one gets to know themselves a little deeper. And through that, I was inspired to become a meditation coach, a meditation teacher at first, and then a life coach. And that went into mindset work. And then after I'd established a sustainable business, I decided to, with the assistance of a coach that I was working with at the time, to lean into the soulful business mentorship space. And that's where I'm hanging out with, we're hanging out at now. But I'm also working with clients focusing on simply mindset. I brought that back because it just really is at the core of so many things in our lives. So I wanted to be able to focus on that work as well. And yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell in the last uh, 12 years. <laughs> that's so amazing. Well, I mean, <clears throat> Jody and I have worked with you personally, and you've been involved in some of the elevated stuff that we've done in the past. So um, we're just so excited to have this conversation. Yeah, it is honestly something that is so, so relevant to our industry because I think imposter syndrome is something that we all experience, whether we're conscious of it or subconscious of it. I think that um, the comparison, the comparison, comparing ourselves to others and really like having it eat away at us, you know, and making us feel like we can't do the things that we really want to step into our shoes and do, you know? Absolutely. We all have that little mean girl that lives in our brains that, you know, gives us all of the reasons why we're not capable or we're not enough or we're not ready or we're not worthy or it's not possible for us. And that voice is our ego voice. And that's, you know, our ego voice is the part of the family. We obviously want to get to a point that we're not letting it drive the car but understanding that there are facets of it that are important and keeping us safe. But the ego takes it to a whole other level. The ego thinks that anything outside of your confines and comforts is unsafe in any and every capacity. And so being able to identify when the ego is trying to keep you physically safe or when the ego is trying to keep you 
safe in the stuck and small and scared version of yourself that won't put themselves out there, won't raise their prices, won't try that new thing, won't start something that matters to them and really just do something that's outside of the norm. And so there's a purpose for it, but also it's identifying when it's just limiting us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a tough one too, is like um, knowing the difference between like that voice or is it like you're actually don't want to do it like what is your experience in in those two realms where it's like you are actually trying to talk yourself out of it or like you really just don't feel aligned with it how do you yep. where do where does that come into play yeah it's so funny i was just having this conversation with somebody i don't even know like a couple of days ago talking about the difference between anxiety and fear and are they the same or are they providing different information for us in our bodies. And so starting with anxiety, understanding that anxiety is in my definition, in my understanding, since this is absolutely probably what I have the most expertise in, uh, it's just the, the longest part of my journey has been with anxiety and researching it and learning about it and playing within its teachings, is understanding that anxiety is a compass. Anxiety is your soul, your inner wisdom, calling you back home, calling you back into alignment. So when you are thinking, saying, speaking, or doing something that is out of alignment to who you truly are, your anxiety chimes in and reminds you through its very innate and infinite emotional guidance system and lets you know like, up, 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 you're straying, come back home come back to your truth, come back to the present moment. You're too far in the future. You're too far in the past. Come back home. And then when you don't listen to it for a very long time, which is what I did, it uh, gives you a nice bitch slap and gives you an anxiety attack, which is what I had because I was ignoring it. So I was like, okay, this girl is not listening to the situation. So we need to escalate it. And up until then, obviously I wasn't listening. So I did need that anxiety attack. And I'm very grateful that that day happened but it's only to to bring you back home and so it just means you're straying versus fear which is different levels of fear so fear is first and foremost always trying to keep you safe physically like don't cross the street without looking back and forth a few ways safety don't jump off this cliff safety that fear comes up because it's like, whoa, 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 you can actually really hurt yourself. And that's not a good thing. So that's one thing. Secondly is when you are trying to do something, even if it's something like self-care or something that's just outside, you know, it doesn't seem like it's innately a dangerous thing. It's something that is just outside of what your ego, what your mind, what your body, what your nervous system is used to. When you're doing anything that's outside of those confines and comforts, your ego will chime in because it's saying, whoa, 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 I don't know the variables here. I don't know how to feel about you doing something different. So maybe we should just stay where we are and where we have been because it feels safer here, even though you might be uncomfortable in that place, even though it's not the right place for you. like. An example is, let's say you're in an abusive relationship. That's something I could speak to as well. Let's say you're in an abusive relationship and you think I should leave this relationship. And then you start thinking about leaving this relationship and your ego chimes in and actually makes you 
try to stay. So it's like, well, what if you don't find anybody else? Well, what if that this is all you deserve? What if that you can't be loved more than this? What And it gives you all of these reasons and it makes you say, well, okay, well, maybe this is actually better for me. And so it makes you stay in something that is uncomfortable for you knowing that it feels more comfortable for the ego. And so there's so many different levels of fear, but fear generally with the ego is just trying to keep you in the same bubble that you're in. So distinguishing first between what anxiety is when you're in or out of alignment and what fear is, is when you're in or out getting out of your comfort zones is important to, to first understand and understand like where it's coming up and where you're feeling it in your body. And if it's your truth or if it's a, a limiting story. So starting there, that will be a nice roadmap to help you, I mean, stay on course. And we're not always going to stay on course, but I mean, to get back on course when, when needed. Yeah, it's so easy to like fall off like the the track because like there's just so many moving parts, like especially in our industry, like you look at other people, you look at other things and you're like, I should do this and I should do that. Or this person's doing that and this person's doing that. And you're like, you're maybe not aligned with these things, but you're being like shot all of these things all the time. And I think that that just it, I think it forces people into like this kind of anxiety feeling of like never doing enough, never being enough, never having enough. And I don't know if this is true, but I feel like maybe like this part of this experience does tie into self-worth. This part of like this never enough, not doing enough. And like that aspect of our brains and that aspect of like our limiting beliefs. Do you think that that ties into our self-worth and like what we think we're worthy of? Um, Yeah. 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 Yes. All the yes to that. (laughs) That's like, that is probably one of the main common denominators of all the limiting stories, all of them. Give me any limiting story and you can whittle it down to worthiness. There's a huge aspect of so many of the things that we do, of we don't do, that we settle for, that we don't settle for. It all narrows down to what we think we're worth and because of what it was how it was modeled to us or how what agreements we picked up along the way first and foremost from our formative years zero to six and whoever was raising us at the time and we picked up those beliefs again as it was modeled to us so let's say looking at a parent or guardian and how they spoke about themselves and how they showed up for themselves how they spoke up for themselves or lack thereof of all those categories so starting there and then being told and being offered ideas and suggestions and agreements and stories and limitations on ourselves. And then of course, I mean, I, I, I bring this up because it's valid, but we believed in Santa Claus up until a certain age. Why wouldn't we believe anything and everything else that was told to us? It was law, it was rule, it was, we had nothing else to compare it to. We had no other life experience that we remembered at that time. So we just picked it up, adopted it, put it in our pockets, put it in our backpacks and started to walk the road of life. And on that road of life, we started to actualize these beliefs through relationship, through friendships, through teachers, through schools, and then romantic relationships, and then school and uh, greater education, then college, or whatever, uh, and then our jobs, whatever order or not that went in for you. But we just kept picking them up. And then what we do in our brains is called cognitive consistency. And we are 
looking for evidence to back up the beliefs that we hold because it actually makes us feel safer. Like if I looked at you right now and I said, and everybody said, the sky is actually red. What are you talking about? It's blue. You'd have a fucking heart attack. You'd be like, what are you talking about? It's blue. And everybody agreed to this and told you something. You know what I mean? And so that would make you feel very unsafe. And so what we do all the time is look for evidence in our environment to prove our beliefs right, whether or not they are serving us or not. So when we are going through our life with all these things in our pockets and our backpacks and going through our own experiences, we continue to try to look for evidence that these are true. And we say, see, I told you nothing works out for me. See, I told you I keep attracting the same guy. See, I told you I'll never get ahead. See, I told, we're just trying to prove it wrong. And funny enough, it makes us feel good when we prove ourselves right, even though it is not a good thing that we're proving. And then it gets so layered and we get so buried under it that we can't see outside of it until it's, until we choose to do the work, until we choose to take whatever steps we feel called to take, whatever that's a therapist, a coach, a um, plant ceremony, whatever it is for you to start to unlayer some of those stories. But when you start unlocking and unlayering them, they just, they really do funnel down to, am I good enough? Am I ready? Will I succeed? Or maybe I will, but then I'll fail because I'm probably not smart enough or I'm not in shape enough or I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have enough experience. Enough. It's just enough, 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 enough. And that is always the red light that turns on in our brains that stops us from doing something because what if we fail? Like that's the worst possible thing that can happen, right? In our heads. In our heads. <laughs> exactly. yeah. In our it's heads. all make-believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think it's like developing a different relationship with it too. And like using mindfulness to hear our, and feel our body when these things are coming up. Cause I know for me personally, you know, maybe like six months ago, I was having a hard time being on social media because every time I would go on it and I'd be scrolling, I would feel such a tightness in my chest. And then I could feel myself doubting myself and, you know, not living up to what I thought that I had to live up to. Mm. And, you know, when I decided to change my mindset and to change how I looked at Instagram and to use it as a tool and to use it as almost like these are my mentors, instead of feeling jealousy or mm. instead of feeling comparison. I started looking at people like, I want to be like that. That's the type of message that aligns with me. That's how they're delivering it. That's a great way to deliver it. And then type like taking it on, on to my own. But now when I go on social media, I'm not feeling that tightness in my chest. I'm not feeling, I'm smiling while I'm scrolling. I'm happy to be on there and I'm happy for everybody else who's succeeding on there. So I think it's like a huge mind shift as well. And when I do catch myself, I'm like, I know what you're doing. I know you're on there. Like looking at everybody, like, you know, that we need to go back. We need to go back. Yeah. And the longer that you stay in inaction, that is just fuel for insecurity. Mm -hmm. And the more that you don't do, the more that your mind will play the most wild and wacky games with you. But it's so funny because when the people say taking messy action, it may feel messy and like at the beginning, but it is one of the most powerful ways to actually move through the blocks and move through the fears because then you can just 
show your ego, be like, okay, well, it wasn't actually as bad as you were making it out to be. And I've said this before in a conversation, um, actually on another podcast is go there, go to the worst case scenario that your ego is playing with you. Like go to the worst case. If it's anything less than death, (laughs) you're fine. fine. (laughs) You're going to be just fine. fine. You know, it really isn't because it makes it, your ego makes it seem like such an extreme situation. And understand, okay, and I understand that some of them may feel scary because getting judged or getting, you know, people talking about you or shame, you know, feeling shameful about certain, that can feel scary, of course, because we want to belong. Belonging is an innate, primitive part of our survival mechanisms in our brain, body, and nervous system. So, of course, it's going to feel scary if you're doing something that can risk that level and sense of belonging. So, understandable, fine. But when we do not do, our ego just, yeah, has, has a, a heyday and just keeps us in deeper and deeper states of inaction. But just literally doing even a small version of something, something to show the ego that it's not so bad and you've got this. Be like, see, like it wasn't so bad. Like even having these inner or even sometimes out loud dialogues with yourself and saying like, listen, do you remember that time that I did this and you thought it was going to be really bad and really hard and that we were going to fail? Remember how it like actually went pretty good? Do you remember that? Okay, let's remember that and know that even if this doesn't work, then I can just try something else. I can try a different way. There's always a way for me to figure it out. I'm resourceful and I'll figure it out. Are you with me? This is you having your conversation with your ego. Okay, yes. And just like calming it down. It's like a little kid that's throwing a tantrum. It just needs to mm-hmm. be heard. And so if you just let it speak its mind and throw its little hissy fit, and reassure it that everything's going to be okay and you're safe, safety was always a foundational piece here, then it might not, you know, be as reactive when you're trying to do something that is outside of the comforts and confines, like we've been saying. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of the times they're not a, a lot of us and other people, maybe we just don't have those conversations where all, everything is so outside of us and we're so taught to be outside of ourselves that we don't actually have that connection with the inner world. We don't have that, like, um, I don't know, that ability or that muscle to be like having that conversation with your ego. You know, you're always told amigo, your ego is not your amigo, but it's like, why can't you just make it your amigo? Like make your ego your friend, because ultimately those are both sides of you. And like, I think every time you do something that goes against your ego, when you're like, no, I'm actually going to do this. It builds trust with your ego. You're like, okay, it wasn't so scary. Like you were saying, Anna, but like every time you do even the littlest action and you get there, it's like, that wasn't so bad. So then you start to build these little, you know, trust with it again so that it's quieter. It gets quieter. Yeah, they're like, it's like little ego trust falls. You're like, yeah. okay, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you won't fall. <laughs> I just got such a vision. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's such a good, that's a, such a great point, Jody. is that these little like trust building exercises of just like starting small, doing something, maybe not going to the most extreme thing that like is absolutely giving you the most anxiety, but doing something so that, yeah, you can have these little trust falls. You can have these little moments of understanding with you and that part of you that's just trying to keep you safe. And also know that it's not like we're fighting the ego. We're trying to beat the ego. It's like, no, we're trying to be on the same team as the ego. Yeah, exactly. 
And to, to speak to what Sonia was saying, that so much of the time we're really not taught ever in school. I mean, it's slowly creeping its way into school systems now, but, and parents are just becoming more cognitive conscious of the fact that they need to do these activities with their kids for like emotional intelligence and mindfulness so they can actually like check in with themselves and their emotions. But the first step to any of this growth is one is awareness. So it's like, well, what are the narratives? What are the stories? What are the limitations and the beliefs and the narrative, like the things that I have in my brain that are trying to make me stop doing anything that I feel like will get me to a place of deeper fulfillment. And that awareness comes from, like you were saying, Sonia, is being able to actually sit with yourself and reflect and journal and meditate and get into nature and you know sit with somebody that's an unbiased safe space and have these conversations and these fears because actually speaking the fears and getting them up and out of your body is a cathartic experience on its own and not letting it just wreak havoc and have its own little party in there but actually like getting it out and holding it in your hand and looking at it to see that it's actually not as bad as what it's being made out to be inside of your body just actually taking the steps little eagle soldiers having parties <laughs> there's so different rooms there's different djs it's like it's a whole thing in there they're like come over to this side it's it's really heavy duty yeah it's true it's just about like going inwards and yeah we're like we're just so taught to be externally facing and the action and the doing and the you know, looking at others and the judging and the how we look and the how it looks to others and everything is so externally facing. And it's, I mean, so many people are in a place that like, I'd rather look successful than actually do the work to be successful. Or I'd rather look like I'm at peace than do the work to be at peace. Or, you know, we're all looking at the highlight reels. Let's be serious, you know? And so that's where the comparison comes in. You're like, well, why doesn't my life look like that? I must be doing something wrong. I must not be good enough to have a life like that. And then here we go again, you know, with the whole rigmarole repertoire of the sneaky little bugger of the ego. But just, yeah, taking taking the steps because you can stay, it's more painful and much harder to stay where you are forever than taking the time and hurting a little more and going in a little bit deeper into the pain shorter term so that you can be relieved of it and release it for the rest of your life. And that's what people are scared of. I find the most is like, well, what will I find? What will come up? I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to start having these conversations. These have been brewing and stewing inside of me for a few decades now. And I might not be ready to actually have this conversation. I'm like, but they're still going to be inside of you causing all sorts of turmoil, havoc, dis-ease, and illness, you know, after they start manifesting on a physical level. And, you know, on top of all the stress and anxiety and just general fuckery that occurs when you don't move them out of your body. But I, yeah, I guarantee you that it'll be much worse for you long-term to keep everything stuck and stagnant inside your body versus leaning into the discomfort a little bit more knowing that it's a short-term act for long-term gain yeah and i also think too that we it's so easy for us to make everything so much bigger than it is i feel like when you look at things or when you want to do something and you want to make a change you make this change in your mind so grand that you're like how that 
fuck am I going to climb this mountain? Like, how am I going to get to that top of that mountain where I'm all the way at the bottom of the pits, like underneath the rocks right now? (laughs) And it's like, how am I going to dig myself out? And how am I going to take little, like, you always look at that mountain as something so unachievable. And I think that just to touch back on what you were saying, Jody, about the social media and how you kind of grasp this like healthy boundary. I think too, what's really important is if you can differentiate between something that inspires you and motivates you and empowers you versus something that makes you feel less than. Mm. And I think that we have the opportunity, especially in our industry, it's like, if someone's not inspiring you, if you feel like somebody can't motivate you or empower you to do better and be your best, and if that person is making you feel less than or not enough, then that's not somebody you should be like interacting with (laughs) and just be like, see ya. And I think that starting to differentiate between those two can really start the conversation within yourself to be like okay like I'm empowered by this I'm inspired by this let me lean more into being happy and grateful and inspired versus like oh this person makes me feel like I'm not doing enough I don't have the riches I'm not successful I'm not this I'm not that and it's like having that conversation in your mind can really help differentiate between the voices that are happening inside and the feelings that you're you're experiencing Yes. And I feel like I'm in a comedy, an improv comedy. Yes. And <laughs> yes. And <laughs> yes. And that, of course, if somebody's making you feel all the feels, maybe you're not ready to have them in your space and that's fine. But also if you are labeling a situation, a person, uh, lifestyle, uh, whatever it is, if you're labeling it as something, you're making it what it is. So if you're labeling it as something that you'll never be able to attain or achieve, then, well, then you're right. And then you're going to give yourself all sorts of anxiety and self-worth talk after that. But that's just scarcity mindset. That's just lack mindset. They have, and I can't, they've achieved and I haven't, they've gotten there and I won't, but that's also on you to shift your mindset and shift the way you feel about it. Because yes, you can be looking at somebody that has the lifestyle, that has the Instagram following, that has the love relationship, that has the car, that has the house, that has the body, whatever it is that's sitting in a place that's not feeling perfectly abundant for you right now. And you can look at them and hate on them or you can see it as a catalog of options because if somebody else has done it it means it's possible for anybody else to do with small disclaimers around that (laughs) but it really is all in the way that we perceive things however we perceive them makes them what they are period end of story and so if we're seeing something as good it's going to be good if we're seeing something as bad it's going to be bad if we see something as limiting or scarce that we're going to see it as limiting or scarce. Or if we see something as potential, if we see something as an option, if we see something that it's getting closer to, it's like, I keep seeing this. It must be getting closer to me. Not, oh my God, more and more people are achieving this and I haven't. There's a very different frequency in those two places. And so you can make the cognitive and conscious decision to just relabel the way that you're seeing things. And maybe you're not ready right now, so you got some work to do. That's fine. You can reapproach it at a different time. But it's the way that you see things that will make them what they are. It's the way that you speak about things that will make them what they are. It's the way that you think about them that will make them what they are. 
not only within us and with our own potential, but obviously, as we know, universally and energetically and what we're attracting into our life and our reality. But it really is the way it starts with you. It starts with the way that you're perceiving it. I mean, listen, there's also people at the end of the day that you just don't align with. And you're like, I just find you annoying. And like, you don't need to follow them. And that's okay. Unfollow. It's yours. Your Instagram is your experience to curate and create. But yes, you need to become aware of what's triggering you Mm. and what's coming up for you when you are seeing people who have the things that you desire and dream of. Because the more that you can celebrate other people getting there, I could tell you, you're going to elevate your frequency and get to a closer vibrational match to achieving that same exact thing in your own unique way and specifications. But it's, yeah, you really got to be mindful of like what you're hating on because you're just pushing your way further and further back from it. Well said. So insightful. Yeah. (laughs) So, Anna, what are some things that people who have not really practiced mindfulness, you know, they haven't really um, touched on a lot of these different practices. Somebody who just wants to start small, like what, what can we say to them and how can we help them? Yeah. And like you said, the words already start small. You know, it doesn't, I think that it gets overwhelming, especially because when you are looking at all these Instagram accounts and you're like, look at these 5,000 things you can be doing in the morning and look at these 5,000 things you can be eating and taking and doing. And you're like, ah, like, I don't want to do any of that because it's overwhelming. It's information overload. And so it is absolutely start small. And so many people do like an extreme, like I've never meditated before. I've never eaten a vegetable. I've never worked out, but tomorrow I'm going to do all of the things and think that that's going to work, but it's not. You're just setting yourself up for failure because it's way too much, way too fast. It's just about first and foremost, learning the habit of showing up for yourself. So even if it starts with you waking up in the morning, rolling out a mat and just sitting on it for two minutes, rolling it back up and going around along with your day, that's a win. You're just training yourself to show up. What you do on the mat at this point doesn't even matter. Even if you just want to do, just breathe to your favorite song, that's fantastic. You're, you're on your way but just starting to build the habit of showing up because you're might be in the habit of not showing up. So it's going to take, you know, those first 22 days is going to be very resistant. It's going to be you breaking the cycle of an old habit. And then the next 22 days, you're going to be starting to plug into these new habits and starting to get it flowing a little bit more. And then the next 22 days coming into the end of your 66 days is you are going to be getting to an automation point, which is, it just happens automatically. It's just part of your lifestyle, just like what you're doing now is. You got there that way. But so just starting a small habit of showing up. That's it. That's where you start and making it feel comfortable. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe I'll do three minutes on the mat today of breathing. And then next week, okay, well, let's maybe go up to four minutes. As long as you are just saying yes to yourself in some small yet impactful way, you're doing it. You're doing it. And meditation also does not need to be an hour long enlightenment journey. It could just be you breathing to, again, one of your favorite songs, which is what I do a lot of the times on your mat in the morning before you go onto your phone for the love of God. <laughs> Please keep your phones on in the morning. <laughs> that is one thing I will say. If you do anything, if you take anything away from this conversation, it is please turn your phone off in the evenings and keep it off in the mornings. And if you can't keep it off for an hour, If you can't, I'm going to quote that for anybody listening. I'm doing the bunny ears right now. If you cannot keep your phone off for an entire hour in the morning, do 10 minutes. 
Just give yourself a freaking moment to check in with you before you check out and check into everybody else's life. The text messages, the emails, the work, the family stuff, the Instagram, the TikTok, the whatever the heck out there is out there now. Sounded really old saying that, but <laughs> but you really need to take a second to to check in with you before you check out. Because if you don't, if you if you spend your life checking out immediately, coming into the conscious awakening of your day, you will have just an underlying hum of disconnected stress, anxiety, because you're just you're disconnected from yourself. So your body's like, hello. Like, do you remember me? Mm -hmm. So just that, if that one thing, just keeping your phone off in the morning for whatever period of time that you're committing to right now and maybe extending it a little bit more as you go, but just the habit of showing up, that's where you start. Obviously there's lots more things to do. We're not going to overload. That's the point here, but just showing up a short meditation practice to your favorite song. Even if it's you singing the song with your eyes closed, that counts. It counts. There's no right or wrong way to meditate. You can walk. You can dance. I know that Sonia and I love that, love the, the, the <laughs> dancing meditations. Uh, you can be in nature. You can be walking your dog and just breathing. You can be cooking your breakfast and breathing. Like just as long as you're present and in the moment and breathing, you're doing it. So it can be a moving meditation as well. If you feel like you don't have the time, bunny ears. Yeah, that's where you would start. Yeah. I would say just starting simple with that. I think that that's because in our industry, all we do is pour ourselves into yeah. other people and other people's energies. And I think that, you know, when Sonia and I started doing a morning routine, that's really when you do kind of show yourself love. It's like, when else during the day do you, maybe you do a lot of the times, but to make sure that you have that 20 minutes, half an hour, hour, like whatever you've carved out for yourself, it's for you and you yourself know that you're giving yourself that little piece of you for the morning, that love in the morning. Yeah. One thing I like to ask myself in the morning too, is like, what do I need this morning? What do I need this morning? Because like sometimes, you know, you may not need a meditation. Maybe you need like an extra half an hour of sleep, or maybe mm -hmm. you need to like get up and jump in the shower and like wake yourself up and sing in the shower. But like, I think that ties into like just showing up for you is yeah. the most important thing in the morning. It's like, what do I need today, this morning, this moment? And I think that just ties back into the inner conversations that we probably are not taught to have for so many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will tie it right back to the, to the theme of self-worth. So if you wake up every morning and you choose one way to say yes to yourself, what is that really saying to yourself? It's saying, I am worthy of my time. I am worthy of my effort. I am worthy of my commitment. I am worthy of my consistency. I am worthy of my own care, love, attention. And that fills your worthiness bank. Because if you do not commit, love, care, nourish, attend to, yourself it's going to be really hard to believe that anybody else would do those things for you too whether it's a client whether it's a partner whether it's a colleague whatever it is and so you stay stuck in that oh they probably don't, won't ever xyz as opposed to i'm showing up for me in these small ways because yes i am worthy of feeling better yes i am worthy of feeling more peace and the more that you say yes to yourself not only are you feeling that worthiness bank 
but you start to transmute and transmit that energy outwardly and people start to show up for you differently too. You set the standard energetically and outside of that more mystically and magically, because you know, we go there is then you start sending out the juju and the vibes and the frequency out into the ether, out into the universe. And you start to attract the like and loving and worthy filled frequencies right back to you. It comes full circle always. And so it's just, how does that start? By a simple yes in the morning, whatever that is for you that day. Amazing. And Anna, you've created something that really helps people in the morning if they are not feeling like they have their own rituals and they have their own routines. Um, You've created a whole morning ritual book um, that really helps and prompts some journaling questions. And I don't, do you want to explain a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. It's called the My Morning Magic Journal, and it was definitely a culmination of over a decade-long personal development journey and all the different things that I tried and things that worked for me. And I just found an equation that I felt really touched on a holistic viewpoint of your life and yourself. So it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to get up and work out that's only physical or it's not, we're going to get up and only meditate because it's only, I mean, it's more than, I'm going to take that one back. Meditation is all things, <laughs> but the actual physical movement, but the, but the meditation piece would only, let's say, be for like spirit to like tune in and check in with yourself. Um, so I created a morning magic method, which consists of three parts, which is moving your mind. <sighs> Whoa. Talking about moving my mind, I'm having a complete and utter mind pause right now. Get still. Here we go. It's back. It comprises of three parts. Get still, get moving, and get going. You'd think that I wasn't doing this every single day for the last, you know, in the journal for the last year and a half. Um, But those three parts really touch on all of our parts and all of our bodies, our energetic body, our emotional body, our spiritual body, and our physical body. So getting still, obviously, like the things of like checking in with how you're feeling in the morning, meditation, um, you know, gratitude is really starting to check in and set a vibrational energy for the day. And then you get it to get moving, which is comprised of moving your mind and moving your body, moving your body. You do however you want, whether there's the dance party, the walk, a stretch whatever uh, the high intensity class, whatever it is, just to move your body. And it doesn't have to be an hour long. I mean, they say like 20 minutes of any type of movement in the morning just to get your heart rate and your blood flowing is, is absolutely beneficial. And then moving your mind, you can do this in so many different ways. You can listen to an audiobook, You can listen to a beautiful podcast like this one. You can do a crossword, a Sudoku puzzle. You can pull an Oracle card. You're going to be reading the little meaning, whatever it is to just get your mind fused and filled with something that will make you feel good, something that will expand it, something that will really work the mind muscle. And then you get into get moving, which is setting yourself up for success for the day. So writing down five top priority things for your day. It's setting an intention, which really is a catalyst for our energy because we're the only species on the planet that can direct our energy into a desired direction. And setting an intention does just that. And then also choosing some affirmations, some things to remind yourself in and start to program in new beliefs of what you actually want to think of yourself and your potential. And the more that you say them, write them, think them, 
the higher the likeliness of them actually getting into your brain in psychology it's called auto auto suggestion that's how we created all our beliefs until now we just repeated them enough times until they were truth so affirmations help you do the opposite get into a more abundant empowered mindset and that's it i mean it sounds like a lot but it's not it really takes the book takes i don't know how ladies how long does the book take like 10 minutes to write everything down yeah yeah so 10 minutes yeah and then the time variables are really the movement and the meditation so the meditation can be a minute you're done fantastic you've breathed for a minute good done and the movement can be i mean hey start somewhere it could be a five minute stretch you know or that walk with your dog in the morning and Mm -hmm. done so it really i mean it doesn't need to take more than 30 minutes 40 minutes something like that if you have time or less if you don't but just really even if you just write the stuff down in the journal it really really helps to just get your head straight and get you feeling grounded and ready for the day as opposed to getting into your day ungrounded unready and having things thrown at you and then reacting and then trying to like calm yourself down midway through the day which is so much of what people do versus being like i'm ready for my day and yeah things might come up there might be some challenges there might be some things at work or with family friends whatever but i'll respond to it in a more conscious way when I am already grounded and set up for my day from the morning versus when I've already checked out right away from the morning and then I fling myself into my day and everything gets flung back at me and it just becomes a shit show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you notice the difference. You definitely oh do. My God, yeah. I love, I love this morning magic. It's like, it's changed my way of being. And unfortunately, Anna will not be joining us at all at Lady Stylist this year because she's not in Canada. But she has in the previous years. But this year, um, I'm going to be channeling Anna through me and bring you guys the morning magic workshop that's going to happen on day four of our retreat. And it's just, I think it's just such a special thing to end the retreat with because it's like a really nice tool that you guys can take home and just practice and feel in that magic. And so our retreat is happening this August, uh, August 19th to the 21st. And there is going to be lots of magic happening, not just the morning magic, but that's just (laughs) one little thing. So you guys will be able to actually um, experience what Anna just kind of explained to you. You'll be able to experience it in the flesh and uh, take it home with you. Anna, thank you so much for today. We had such a blast chatting with you. I mean, we could probably chat for a whole other hour. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be part two. (laughs) Yeah, part two with Anna. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah, you. uh, it's been a real pleasure to see and hear your voice. Mm-hmm. Right back at you. So nice to see your faces and hear your voices as well. And thanks for showing up for your communities and doing this amazing work. Uh, I know that there's probably so many people who are so grateful and really leaning on you both for so much support. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for tuning in. For more ways to connect with us, please join our online community on the Mighty Network platform a space to learn, grow, and connect.